Hey ladies and gents, welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast, where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry. I'm your host, Jared Weich. Alongside me, as always, is my co-host, Dominic Orlando. I think we both had a great time watching the Last of Us award. I mean, the Game Awards. <laughs> yep, a little bit of a spoiler there, but it pretty much was a clean sweep for a lot of the awards, and we'll get into that shortly. Episode 213, thank you guys for joining us for another week of video game news and chatter. We're going to be talking about specifically the Game Awards. We're going to be going over... Um, some of the more important announcements, um, you know, there are a ton of games usually revealed or re-revealed or get updates during the show. We want to talk about the ones that are um, most interesting to us so we can get through them and talk about them at, at a decent length. Then we're going to go over our Game Awards predictions for who the award winners are going to be for five specific categories that seem near and dear to our hearts. And then we're going to go over our predictions, uh, the 10 questions I asked Dom last week and see where we lined up there. And uh, yeah, we'll get into it. So first up, let's talk about these announcements that happened. I've split them up into four different categories, Dom. Uh, so the 2020 Game Awards were filled with award winners and announcements. Let's go over the more interesting teases, reveals, and re-reveals at the Sears show. So the four categories are interesting reveals, spiritual successors, Bioware's future, and the big stuff. So we're going to start off with interesting reveals. And this one caught me off guard. There's this trailer that happened. Where it starts off and you see this tribal group in the middle of this forest. And you're like, what's going on here? And then Vin Diesel's likeness appears. And you're like, what? Is this Vin Diesel? Am I watching Vin Diesel? And then his eyes go black. And you're like, wait, is this like a Riddick prequel game? What's going on here? Turns out to be the sequel to Ark Survival Evolved, which is a really popular multiplayer crafting survival game. He's going to be starring in Ark 2. On top of that, they revealed an animated show based on the IP, starring Vin Diesel, Gerard Butler, and a number of other celebrities, which is pretty wild. Um, this trailer caught me off guard. It was the, mo the most wild thing. I About, I would say, 45 seconds into that trailer, Dom, people could have said, Jared, write down 100 guesses of what you think this is, and I don't think Ark Survival Evolved 2 <laughs> would have been on that list of games. Yeah. Um, was it wild to you to see Vin Diesel pop up after showing that weird licensed Fast and Furious game last year to see him return as a protagonist in a video game? Yeah, I mean, it kind of makes sense. It's not something we, we ever would have guessed, like you said, even if you're given 100 guesses. But uh, it, it, it kind of does make sense. Um, it's more like you know, we were hoping it was this moment was something else, right? A little Nathan Drake something else. But, you know, it's what it is. It's cool. There was a moment where I thought, is this like Horizon Forbidden West? Like, mm -hmm. is, is Vin Diesel on Horizon Forbidden West? Um, yeah, very odd stuff there. Um, was surprising. You know, not all of the trailers need to be something you're fully invested in or excited about. Sometimes these are these wild surprises that kind of round out the show. And, yeah, man, if you would have said uh, put Vin Diesel on your Game Awards bingo card, I wouldn't expect it to happen. So it's, it's wild. Um, next up we had, uh, and this goes into our predictions, which we'll get to later, the set of Fortnite skins that are coming. So with the new Fortnite season, there's a rift into the multiverse, and Jonesy, who's like one of the more popular Fortnite original characters, is trying to find hunters from all the other universes to come and help him fight. We obviously got Kratos last week, and we expected to see Master Chief. That did happen. We saw the Master Chief trailer, which is pretty cool. Uh, one of the fish characters from Fortnite opens up like the Mountain Dew energy drink section of a gas station convenience store kind of thing and master chief pops out being frozen in there which is pretty funny and then the bigger surprise was we got daryl dixon and michonne from the walking dead who are going to be a part of fortnite which is really cool um two of my personal favorite characters from that ip 
So it's really nice to see them make a, a second resurgence here considering the show's on its last legs. Um, and I would say maybe the IP for a while. I could see Walking Dead probably going dormant um, because though it is beloved, the show's kind of gone a bit tiresome for people and the comic ended, obviously. But it is cool. Were you? I know you're not a Fortnite guy, but do you think them adding Daryl Dixon and Michonne from The Walking Dead was a, a neat addition to the Fortnite universe? Yeah. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> you're going to get a begrudging answer from someone like me, right? Who doesn't play Fortnite, but um, yeah, it's cool to see like in general, all these different characters coming into Fortnite. It's cool. I can, I can appreciate what they're doing with it, you know, and making it a kind of a, a connected thing with all these, all these different IPs and stuff. You know, part of me like rolls my eyes. It's like, Oh, this reminds me of all those mobile game ads for like, where you see like the weird uh, kind of like, like you talked about Vin Diesel, the weird likeness of characters and actors um, in the Fortnite graphics and it doesn't always look the best especially when it's someone like you know like Master Chief looks good right because that's easier but then like talking about Michonne it's like yeah you know yeah well I don't think they're necessarily based on the likenesses of the actors from the show True. maybe it's like an amalgamation yeah. of the comics and that but yeah when you when you identify those characters as those actors it can be a little odd um, but it is cool for you know a lot of people don't own nintendo switches and a lot of people even if they do don't own super smash brothers and this is like the biggest crossover outside of super smash brothers right yeah. so um it's really neat to see and it's it's bringing in more people into video games whether or not me and you enjoy fortnite there's going to be walking dead fans out there who have never tried fortnite or xbox gamers who have never tried fortnite and they're like oh master chief i'm gonna get master chief and check out this game especially with halo infinite's delay it definitely helps the sting there um but it is cool um i'm interested to see what other because would you? I wouldn't consider Daryl Daryl Dixon for sure. Let me correct myself. Daryl Dixon, I would definitely consider a hunter, right? I mean, even mm -hmm. before the zombie apocalypse, he was a hunter-gatherer type dude. Michonne, I get it from a character standpoint of, like, she kind of hunted people, especially with her, like, jawless zombies. Yeah. yeah. But I like that the definition isn't so, like, dead set that they could get creative with these hunters that they bring in. And I wonder who else is in line to come because this seems like... The success of the Marvel event was oh, all of these Marvel characters. Now it's like, who loosely fits the definition of a hunter? Let's contact the IP holder. Can we get him in? You know, um, and not to disparage the work that they do for Fortnite because it does take talent to create the skins. But the art style is very kind to artists in terms of fitting in characters where it's not detail oriented, right? It's not like specific minute details. It's getting these like flaring overall looks to these characters so i don't think they'd have that hard of a time bringing in people um i can't wait for them to bring in the four ninja turtles i'm i'm surprised it hasn't happened huh. yet because it happened in smite um and if no, no offense to smite if smite can get the tmnt license fortnite can definitely get the tmnt license uh next up uh this is where some excitement rushed into me dom because we're in a place where we're about to talk about two franchises that fans have wanted a new entry in for a while, and the developers and IP owners simply aren't doing it. So there's these people that are connected in some way or another that are like, screw it, they're not going to do it. We're going to do it as close as we can without getting a suit. <laughs> so the first one is the Callisto Protocol, which is being developed by Striking Distance Studios. And if that name sounds familiar, this was the studio that was spun up and made by Glenn Schofield, who was the creator of Dead Space. He left uh, over to Sledgehammer Games to work on Call of Duty for a while. He then got promoted up to like a management position. He's like, I don't really like this. So then he left Activision and started his own studio. 
It's described as a sci-fi horror game, and Glenn Schofield himself in the interview said, Our goal is to make the scariest game available on PC and consoles. If you saw the trailer, there was a weird freak alien type thing. Obviously a lot of core alien uh, feels. Uh, the animate himself had like this bar on the back of his neck that was definitely reminiscent of the UI in Dead Space, right? His health bar on the back of his spine. Um, I thought this looked really cool. The name itself, I'm not a fan of, the Callisto Protocol. The reason it's named that is because the game takes place on uh, one of the moons of Jupiter named Callisto. Uh, it seems like it's a prison of some sort. Uh, I'm very much interested in this as somebody who has missed Dead Space and wanted a new Dead Space. This might be the closest we're going to get to it for a while. And we talk about business moves a lot of times, Dom, and making a sci-fi horror game that's in that survival genre is a big risk. And I think they're hoping that the Dead Space fans uh, come out in droves when this game releases and purchase it. Um, and if they nail it, I think this could be a big hit. What did you think of the Callisto Protocol trailer? Uh, well, to put it simply, yeah, I'm in. Let's go. Like, I'll buy it now. You know? Yes. Yeah. Everything you said, like, we have, like, former Dead Space guys, and, like, this is a sci-fi horror game that's intended to be the scariest game available on PC and con. Like, yeah, absolutely. Let's go. That's all I needed to hear. Yeah, and for me, I, I like the Resident Evil games a lot, but I my favorite type of horror is sci-fi horror. Uh, just because of what the things you can do with aliens or like weird bacterial things that like evolve right and manipulate their surrounding space. So I'm very much interested in this. And like you said, people who worked on Dead Space, you know, it's in good hands. At the very least, it's going to be scary. We don't know how good of a game overall critically it's going to be. But I'd put money on knowing that when people get this game, it will not be knocked down for how scary it is. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what they can bet on. Uh, next up, Back for Blood. Uh, this is from Turtle Rock Studios, the people who had a hand in the the first and second Left 4 Dead titles, as well as Evolve, which was their asymmetrical multiplayer game that kind of flopped. Had a lot of potential there, but obviously that type of uh, genre quickly faded away with the likes of Fable Legends, um, that asymmetrical multiplayer. It's a shameless Left 4 Dead successor, a very nostalgic feel alongside some refreshing additions. They have one thing with Left 4 Dead is they didn't really explore the height of zombies it was pretty much like there was the the boomers who were the bigger zombies but they were pretty much all relatively the same size ish um but with this they have like a 20 foot zombie that's in there that's pretty wild they have another one who looks like a resident evil end game boss with a giant arm i thought it looked really cool they were one of the few games to show actual gameplay in the show which i thought was awesome and it looks like i said it's it's a shameless left for dead successor it looks like left for dead even in the name back for blood left for dead mm -hmm. right um i'm excited to play this with my friends um i have friends to this day who aren't as involved in the gaming space as we are that ask me like hey do you think there's going to be a new left for dead they missed the days of left for dead and when this came out yesterday i sent them all the trailer and they're excited because um we're not going to probably get a left for dead 3 from valve and if we do it's not going to be anytime soon uh what do you feel about this? And are you excited about maybe hopping back into a Left 4 Dead-like experience? Uh, no, I mean, this is cool. I'm, like, glad it's here. And, and I think it's going to be good for a lot of people. It's not necessarily my thing. Like, I played the Left 4 Dead games a little bit, like, kind of just solo. Um, probably best going to be played, you know, with with other people. So, um, I don't know. I, I might miss out on this one, but that's all right. It's super cool that they were able to... I mean, a lot of people want Left 4 Dead 3, right? Half-Life 3 and so on. Um, but So it's cool that Left 4 Dead 3 can more or less still happen, right? Uh, without it actually yeah. happening. 
And this is coming out next June, so a lot quicker than the Callisto Protocol, which I think they slated for 2022. I'm more curious to see how these games perform because we have this thing in the gaming industry, and I think it's in all industries, uh, where there's a fan base who clamors and I guess wines might be too strong of a word, but they want you know their favorite franchise, their beloved franchise to come back. And in some cases, it comes back and it sells well, and it leads to more entries in that series. But sometimes it doesn't. It's like, well, maybe this thing should have just stayed dead, right? Uh, and I'm interested to see how both of these things do. In my opinion, I think Callisto Protocol, though it's the more niche genre, has a little bit more chance to succeed because the horror genre doesn't see as many titles. Whereas Back for Blood, it's a multiplayer title. If you release next to something that has a bigger marketing thing than you or the latest Call of Duty Warzone update or Fortnite update you could get lost in the weeds real quick right so that's what i'm a little bit more worried about just because it's in a space that is so crowded um but i'm interested to see how both of them do and uh yeah shout out to spiritual successors if you know the original ip holders aren't going to do anything at least these people are willing to take the risk of possibly getting sued uh to make the game that people are wanting i think that's cool um next up bioware's future so we had two trailers from Bioware here. Uh, as I've mentioned on the show many times, I'm a huge Bioware fan. Obviously, they've been on some rocky days uh, recently, especially with Casey Hudson and uh, Mark Dara leaving the company recently. Um, you know, they want new leadership, younger, fresher eyes. I eventually want to get into that in a podcast talking about Bioware and their future because I do think there's positives and negatives to those two veterans leaving Dom. Uh, you know, you could argue that them leaving is Bioware going to be the same, but in the same sense, it's like it's been so long since the hits of Bioware's past days. That studio is probably completely different in terms of the people that make it up. New people entering the fold. Like, how responsible were Mark Dara and Casey Hudson? for anthem not turning the corner right we like to say that they're beloved members and they could have turned things down uh, turned things around if anybody could but maybe they just are in need of fresher eyes over there at bioware maybe that is part of the issue right um that being said their next couple of projects i'm very much excited for we knew dragon age 4 was on the horizon we got a trailer narrated by solace the Dreadwolf, who's the evil elf type dude really cool name his it's one of the, my favorite things in fiction dom where you hear the name Dreadwolf and you're like oh that sounds like a badass who is that yeah, and then you see him and he's like this scrawny intellectual little finger looking elf guy uh it's really funny one of the revelations from this trailer obviously they talked about you know there's no ancient prophecy no enchanted hand yada 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 seems like they want you to make your own character and be that person it was just called dragon age it seems like we might just getting a, a reboot instead of calling it dragon age 4 they might just be going with dragon age which at this point i would argue just like with fable that's fine right like we don't need a four if anything it helps the game if you don't have those i wouldn't say expectations maybe like whenever somebody sees a number at the end of something they worry do i need to see all the other things or experience all the other things to do this right so by eliminating that and just calling it dragon age you think this leads it towards a better chance of success obviously barring critical reception probably i mean it makes sense because even with looking at the last game it was called inquisition right it wasn't called three so yep. um they could have called this four i suppose but then you'd have similar questions like well is it really I mean, it's the fourth game i don't know I mean, it's not necessarily like clear or obvious what it should be called so i think this uh, makes as much sense as anything really just having it plain dragon age um i mean and that's the popular thing popular thing to do nowadays anyway right like just uh 
use the original title and uh, start over, right? Doom, God of War, and so on and so on. Well, then the interesting thing, and I think this is a product of our generation, is that since we're past the year 2000, right, I think a lot of times we look back and 2005 doesn't seem that long ago because it's like, oh, it's past the 2000s. It's not that far long ago. But when you look at it, it's 15 years ago, more mm-hmm. than a decade, right? So I think we have this problem where, in general, where we think things weren't as long ago as they were, despite it being years and years and years because it's the weird century change, right, of going from the 1900s to 2000. Now, anything that happened after the year 2000 seems new-ish, which is weird, even though we're already in 2020. Um, And for those who don't remember, Dragon Age Origins, the first game, came out in 2009. That's 11 years ago. By the time this game comes out, Dom, at the earliest, I would assume 2022, we're talking 13 years. I think that's more than enough time for you to soft reboot the title, right? Absolutely, yeah. Dragon Age Inquisition Dom came out in 2014. It's kind of crazy to think that. Yeah, that was six <laughs> years ago. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's more than valid for them to do that. Now let's talk about my favorite moment of the show. Once again, if you've ever listened to this podcast, you know how much I love Mass Effect. Mass Effect 2 is one of my favorite games of all Oh, is my favorite game of all time. Mass Effect, one of my favorite games of all time. We got this trailer. And I know the bummer of it. I'm going to get to it right away. Cut to the chase. At the end of it says Mass Effect will continue. I know the narcissists and pessimists out there will be like, well, we already knew that. Ha, 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 whatever. What an announcement. But for those who love Mass Effect, the moment we see Liara pick up that N7 armor, which we assume is Shepard's, right? Obviously. I don't know how many times you watch this trailer, Dom. Probably just the once. But if you look in the back, people paused it and zoomed into the back. And you see... Uh, off the top of my head, I can't remember the names of the alien races. Sorry, it's been so long since I've played. But uh, you see Morden, or at least an alien of Morden's species. And you see a Krogan, which looks a lot like Grunt. And it seems like this might take place canonically after the events of Mass Effect 3. Obviously, that's a lot to infer from a teaser trailer. I honestly think this is just a little bit of fan service of like, we understand you want what you miss from Mass Effect, that's where we're going to deliver. I don't think it's necessarily saying this is a direct line Mass Effect 4, but if that is the case, that'd be dope. Um, how did you feel about this trailer? I know you liked Mass Effect, but you're not necessarily probably on the level of me of like crazy fandom. No, it's it's cool. Um, obviously, it's one of those things where like, yeah, there's no title. It was just a little cinematic, so it it can only be so cool, right? But it's 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 if nothing else, it's encouraging to see like, yeah, EA and Bioware, like, they do care about this this series, and a lot of people weren't the highest on Andromeda, right? But, um, and there was, there, we basically had these questions, like, we assumed it was going to come back one day, but I think there was at one point a quote that it had been, you know, shelved, the series had been shelved kind of indefinitely, whatever, you know, whatever that actually meant. Yeah. Who knows? But, like, it's good to see, like, this is, like, a, a big vote of confidence from you know from the people holding the money like yeah this is a series that is gonna persist and, and they literally say that right like mass effect continues or whatever so like i think it's pretty cool and it's something to you know get excited about it, it does feel like this in dragon age is you know it leaves me with a little bit of that like i mean for, and how long until i can play it you know it gives me a little bit of that but it's still it's still good to know that they're working on it yeah and man so i you know, I've always wanted a first contact wars video game in the Mass Effect universe, which is obviously when humans first get in contact with alien races uh, in that universe. 
uh, I think the first aliens they come across are Garrus's race, which are the Vicarians, I think. That sounds right, but I, yeah, I don't know either. Yeah, I'm sorry, it's been so long. So, sorry if I'm getting the names I wrong. I just know Krogan. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I would love if um, canonically this takes place after the events of Mass Effect 3 somehow, and then alongside that, maybe not the same year, obviously, but we get like a tactics game that's the first Contact Wars, right? Because when you think about the first Contact Wars, there might not be enough there to squeeze out in terms of its own AAA RPG game. Um, fitting it between the events of, you know, Earth being normal and then Shepard's story, right? Whereas if you do like a tactics game, I think you can meet in the middle and give people the story that they want canonically, but not have to commit to this giant uh, RPG. And I think that'd be really cool. And we've seen success with games like Gears Tactics, right? That took to that genre and people loved it. Um, so I'd be really excited for that. But man, seeing Liara, what, my dream too in the next Mass Effect is we maybe get a chance to not have a human character. That spice things up too. We've always had a human character. I'd love to be able to choose maybe my alien race or maybe you get to choose from a couple. I doubt we'd be able to be Krogan. They probably want to stick to the races that are the most human-like, right? Um, so it'd probably be Liara's race, Tally's race, and maybe like Garrus's race or Morden's race. But um, yeah, it's... It, uh... That's always a tricky thing, right? And so it'd be cool if they if they have a good solution to that, right? Especially in a game like that where like your race in a game is so important, you know, to the story because there's conflicts based on race and different things going exactly, on, right? Where yeah. like it would be difficult to like you know make yourself a different race that you're supposed to be at war with or something, right? Because I, I I remember and I might be foggy on these details, but like in in Elder Scrolls Skyrim, right, you could pick uh, the main conflict is between the Nords and the Imperials going on in the game, right? You could pick between those two races, and all it really changed was like some dialogue would be like, "Why are you fighting against your own people from random NPCs?" or something very minor, right? Where like realistically, that would be a huge deal in in that world. You know, we're a Nord fighting with the Imperials. Like there would be like plot and story around that fact like it would be important so i'd be curious to see how they could um do something like that with mass effect but you know way better than skyrim did it hopefully yeah and i know this might be in the minority for people but coming off of shows like game of thrones and stuff one thing i hope they really put into the next mass effect title that was in mass effect one somewhat but it definitely got lost among the shuffle as the events went on is I want more like political intrigue and like yeah. scheming that you can Fuck go yeah. about. Uh, maybe with like a new citadel or something going on where it has to do with some type of war and you are little fingering it up behind the scenes, right? Like trying to manipulate your way around things. And I think that could add a new refreshing flair to Mass Effect 2 where you have the action shooting elements when you're out and about adventuring, exploring space. But when you get to these moments in these big cities or these big locations, there is the sense of political intrigue and secrets moving about and trying to figure out who's telling the truth and who isn't. And I do think that could play really well. And to your point with the alien races, maybe it could be where they limit you to a select number of them where they're not some of the major factions that are at war with one another, but they do play a part. So to your point, you may pick a race that, say, Krogans are once again at, are, are at war, say this time with the Vicarians. You pick uh, Tally's race, which I forget off the top of my head, her name, but maybe they are currently aligned with the Vicarians, 
So when you try to interact with Krogans, they're not necessarily super against you because you're not their main threat. But the political intrigue part is like, oh, the enemy and my enemy, are they my friend? Is the, is a friend yeah. of my enemy my friend? How does that all work out? I think that be could be really cool too. Yeah, it's certainly doable. It's just, yeah, the, the story has to be built around it is all. And that's, you know, more work. But it, yeah. obviously it's possible and can only make things better. It's just if they're willing to to do the work. which I, And then, of course, like, like you're in this world, uh, you know, with like infinite species of aliens. It's like, and you can customize your character a lot, but you can't use other species of aliens. Like that's, 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 that's a big, like there's a miss there. You know what I mean? Like it's like all the Star Wars games we had and very seldom do we get to like customize aliens, for example, right? Yeah. Um, there's a lot of fun that could be had there. You do have an argument though with like the, the, the Krogans because they aren't human-like. So you can make an argument as like, that's why you can't pick them because of the animations and stuff. You, there's a little bit of like understanding there. Whereas like, I can't pick yeah. this person that's essentially human with a different head. Like, come on now. Mm-hmm. Um, and the political intrigue thing too, I hope it's a part of Dragon Age. And I don't need it to be overbearing where, you know, people who aren't necessarily into that get lost in the sauce of it all. But I do want that to be a part of it because I've seen now that that can play a large role in storytelling that adds another narrative layer to it. And I'd love to see that. So next up, we're going to finish with the big stuff. Uh, First off, the new Smash Brothers Ultimate character was announced. It's Sephiroth. Obviously, he's the villain from Final Fantasy VII and the remake. Uh, It's coming out in December which is pretty dope. I don't think a lot of people expected it to hit this month, which is pretty surprising. Uh, another Final Fantasy character, which people also didn't think was going to happen because one thing I didn't realize with Square Enix is Cloud's in the game, but I guess they limited like the Final Fantasy music that's in it. Whereas we know when a lot of other characters are added, a big catalog of their music is added to Smash Brothers as well, right? As a celebration of the collaboration. And I guess with Square Enix, it's been a lot of like miss, not so much hidden miss, but mostly miss. Um, so people are hoping that with an additional Final Fantasy character, maybe they loosen the restrictions and they get the number of songs in there that they want. Um, that's pretty cool. Doesn't do a whole lot for me. I like Sephiroth from the Final Fantasy VII remake, um, but I'm already past the days of playing Smash Brothers, so it's like does nothing for me personally. But it is awesome for everyone who got excited and was hoping for somebody. I know most people, if you're going to say a Square Enix character will be announced, most people would assume it was going to be Sora from Kingdom Hearts. Yep. Uh, yep. But having Sephiroth is like uh, an uneasy win because I know a lot of people hope for Sora, but at least they're getting a Square Enix character nonetheless. And lastly, in my opinion, what was the biggest reveal of the entire show uh, and something we kind of assumed would probably happen, the initiative finally unveiled their debut in quotes because of them quadruple A title, perfect dark. Uh, it'll feature Joanna dark and looks to focus on technology's effect on the environment. They called it eco sci-fi, which I thought sounded super dope. And at the end of the trailer, you see Joanna dark standing on this. It looks like a skyscraper in Dubai. And you see the weather and the ecosystems and everything weirdly messing up. There's like lightning where it shouldn't be. I got a lot of James Bondish vibes to it, but I also, it seemed like there's some, maybe some supernatural might not be the case, but biological terrorism, right? Because when they're going through the skyscraper, you see like these, like this greenhouse where there's like these chemicals going on. Um, I don't know. It has me excited. I definitely want to see gameplay to see exactly what the game's like. They did mention at the beginning during like the snippet developer diary that it's going to be first person, which I'm excited about. Um, We often have this conversation of, you know, if it's a game that's first person, you create your character. What's the point of it being first person, creating your character if you're never going to see them? 
It's kind of the thing with Cyberpunk, right? Whereas with this, you're playing as Joanna Dark, so first person to me, you know, I'm, I'm not upset about that. I'm interested to see how Perfect Dark fans feel about it, but it seems like the general consensus is everyone was excited. I'm, I'm a little worried because they said we're early on in development still, so I don't know how far away this game is. Um, but that being said, how did you feel about this reveal? Finally learning that it is perfect dark, this reboot of this beloved shooter. So some part, cause this had been kind of speculated, right? Or a lot of people guessed that maybe this is what it was going to be. The initiative was doing and And I had moments of like, ah, that'd be kind of disappointing. So I almost rather them be doing something completely original. Right. Um, but then I'm like, well, I should be more selfish. And realistically, I never played Perfect Dark. I don't know anything about Perfect Dark. So like, this <laughs> yeah. basically is brand new to me. So exactly. sweet. Yeah. You know? um, and the trailer was really cool. I also uh, like the whole eco uh, vibes. They kept on, they, they really made that a point to talk about. But like, yeah, the, the trailer looked cool. And I'm, I've been, not everyone likes um, uh, first person games that aren't just straight up shooters, right? I'm thinking of... Um, like a Dishonored, like maybe it'll have some similarities to that, at least in feel. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm all on board for this. It's just, yeah, we'll see when it actually is coming around. It might be a little while still, but who knows? Maybe maybe they're like early in development. That's, that's a phrase that could mean a lot. Um, I wouldn't guess this is next year, but 2022 doesn't seem crazy potentially. So we'll, we'll see. Yeah, and what's what's early to them, right? What is their it, definition exactly. of early? Yeah. Uh, and, so the thing that I want this game to nail is the shooting mechanics. Obviously, if it's going to be a first-person shooter, it needs to nail those. And I want really strong stealth elements. It's funny you brought up Dishonored because yeah. I think that could differentiate it from a lot of other games where these are there are these strong stealth elements because the trailer does lend itself towards hinting at sneaking through this building, you know, kind of dismantling these troops as you go through. I think there's going to be a lot of tech gadgets, right, of like maybe some drones you could use or some hacking abilities you can get. And we know the team that they assembled there. It's immensely talented they have people from naughty dog and sony santa monica and ubisoft like all of these really great places they're kind of formed like the avengers of video game developers of this one it seems like um but will they nail it who knows and i hope they do and i do think that perfect dark isn't a new ip but for all intents and purposes dom how many people are going to be playing this exactly. game when it comes out that have never played yeah. a, a perfect dark game hearing about this for the first time, having no idea it's a reboot being like, this is a new IP, right? Unless they do the Google search and find out, but like it is going to be a, for all intents and purposes, new to everyone. Most people anyways. Exactly. Um, it might as well be new. Yeah, exactly. So I'm excited for it. That was really awesome to see that show up. Um, and yeah, it's, it's nice to see the speculation come full circle uh of it like oh is it perfect dark well does it take place in the perfect dark universe what exactly going on and uh you know gaming could always use another dope female protagonist so i really hope they nail it with joanna dark so we'll see what happens there now to get into our predictions and the results we're first going to be going over awards predictions which spoiler alert dom and i finished with the same score because we guessed the same on every single award great minds think alike so the first one was Best Indie Game. If you remember, the nominees were Carrion, Fall Guys, Hades, Spelunky 2, and Spiritfarer. Dom and I both said, Psh, it's got to be Hades. We were right. It was Hades. Hades won. Point there for both of us. Next up, Best Narrative. Nominees were 13 Sentinels, FF7 Remake, Ghost of Tsushima, Hades, and The Last of Us Part 2. Dom and I were like, Psh, of course it has to be The Last of Us Part 2. It was. Two for two. Perfect. Batting perfect right now, Dom. You love to see it. Next up. 
Best Art Direction. These nominees were Final Fantasy VII Remake, Ghost of Tsushima, Hades, Ori and the Will of the Wisps, and Last of Us Part II. Dom and I were like, psh, has to be Ori, right? Worst case, it's probably going to either be Hades or Ghost of Tsushima. Ended up being Ghost of Tsushima. We both got that wrong. So, no longer a perfect game, unfortunately. Oh, I thought I said Ghost. My bad. <laughs> no, no. We both said Ori. Uh, so, yeah, no perfect game there. Great to see Ghost get an award. I think it was the only award it won. No, no. It won fan selection, I believe, right? Where the fans oh, voted yeah. on it. Uh, next up, Best Game Direction. Nominees, Final Fantasy VII Remake, Ghost of Tsushima, Hades, Half-Life Alex, and The Last of Us Part Two, And that went to The Last of Us Part Two, which we both guessed. So, ding, 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 three points for us, three for four. And the last one, if I'm being honest, we got too cute, Dom. Game of the Year, nominees, Doom Eternal, FF7 Remake, Ghost of Tsushima, Hades, uh, Animal Crossing, New Horizons, and Last of Us Part Two. We both said Animal Crossing. Nope, Last of Us Part Two ended up winning. We both got that wrong. Last of Us Part Two swept entirely. Like, almost all the awards it was up for, it, it won. Uh, which is great. I think the game absolutely deserved it. Um, but I do think... I wish I would have seen a little bit more variety in winners just because a, a lot of these games deserved awards, right? Uh, so many great games this year. Um, not that, you know, Last of Us Part Two isn't deserving of winning all of these awards because it's a fantastic game. But I would have liked to see maybe a little bit more variety in some of the other awards. Because Last of Us Part Two also won Best Audio, and it also won uh, Best Action Adventure. Uh, so just, like, clean sweeped. So many awards. Uh, yeah. It kind of – it's that weird thing where, like, from one perspective, I I'm, I feel similar, right? Like, it'd be, it'd be, I feel like it would just be cooler to see uh, more of a variety, right? But on, this, on the flip is, like – but I, I would hope that people aren't voting, you know – differently across categories just because you know well we know um last of us is going to win overall goatee so for game direction i'm going to pick something different for that fact right we're like that shouldn't I, in my head theoretically that shouldn't be a reason you're picking a, a voting a certain thing right but that also means that you're going to end up with a lot of sweeps in some cases yeah it's also the opposite argument of that too like i would hope people aren't voting the best game in that category as the one to win that category, despite it not being the best at that specific category, right? Exactly. You can make an yeah. argument that in every category, Last of Us Part Two is bar for bar the best game in that category, right? But is it the best game at audio design in that category amongst all those other games? I'm not saying it isn't, but that is an argument you could be uh, having as well. Either way, awesome. Uh, I'm glad Hades won best indie game. I'm glad I at least got one award. Um, I'm still upset that Ori didn't come away with best art direction. No offense to Ghost of Tsushima. I just think that what Ori did, especially with its parallaxing backgrounds and stuff, is, like, phenomenal. Um, but I think the first Ori won awards, so I don't think it's necessarily been shut out entirely. So, can't expect you to win everything. Yeah, I wonder if, yeah, if the first one won best art direction. and then, But then it's a similar thing. Like, did Will the Wisp win just because... The first game did. It's like, if it's still the best, it's the best, even if you've seen it before, right? Yeah. So that's a good point there. I, I also want to say, like, um, there was only... I mean, we talked about snubs, like what didn't get nominated, but I think there is a worthy conversation. I'm not asking to have it right now, but <laughs> there's a worthy conversation about um, uh, The Last of Us winning not just Goaty, but the Direction Award. Um, when they, you know, like so many things were brought up with, like, Maybe there's a little too much crunch and not the best culture at that studio. And I think, yep. you know, management probably should be considered, you know, one of the criteria for game direction. 
in my head, right? That's not necessarily, you know, every person on the judging panel or whatever might not care about that for that award or might have been described differently. But I think it's worthy of like discussions among people. Um, like what should that count for or against? Well, yeah, there was a whole discussion about how Hades, who did it right, had this amazing article come out about how its game development process works, right? Uh, they basically don't demand crunch. They demand vacation. Uh, and it's really brilliant how they do things at Supergiant. And it's like, well, we're awarding a company who did things the quote-unquote wrong way, at least in many people's eyes. And the company who did everything right, they didn't get award. It's a, it's an interesting conversation to have, especially with the label of best game direction. Like you're directing the development of the game, and with that comes all of the behind the scenes stuff of the scheduling and project management and all of that stuff. So it is an interesting conversation to have. But once again, I don't want to end on a sour note. It is a very important conversation people need to have. But you know, shout out to Last of Us Part Two for sweeping. And I do want to say one award that I didn't know was happening was the most anticipated award, and that went to Elden Ring. Which I know you could say like, yeah, everyone's excited for Elden Ring. Everyone loves From Software. But it was on that list with the God of War sequel with the Breath of the Wild 2 game. Like it was with some heavy hitters that are extremely popular. And I was surprised. I I think that this is now data point number two that we're both like, because normally like we're guessing the same things. We're predicting a lot of the same stuff and it might be a bit boring. But like, I feel like we got a pretty good vibe on like, people's feelings in the industry about things right yeah. but this i think like we don't have a good vibe on the popularity uh, at least critically of from software games because neither of us thought that sekiro was going to win game of the year last year right that kind of even though we probably would have both voted for it but um there was that and now elden ring being more anticipated than breath of the wild 2 and god of war ragnarok like i wouldn't have guessed that either so that's um I think the critics and whoever's voting on on that, like we're not giving From Software as much credit as everyone else, apparently. Yeah, but there's also an argument to be made that like Elden Ring was revealed at the Game Awards. People always wonder is Elden Ring going to show up this year at the Game Awards? So the people voting on the Game Awards site are likely going to be people who tune into the Game Awards. So they anticipate seeing Elden Ring. So therefore, in a Game Awards poll, they're going to anticipate Elden Ring more than God of War sequel because they assume that that's not going to be at the Game Awards. Like there's also that is argument this, to be made. Is this still like like the other awards where it's like 90% from just the... Web, Most like anticipated is all fan voted, I believe. Okay, it's so like it's 100% only fan voted. Fan voted yeah. Okay, then then you're right. That that makes it a little different. But I was thinking it was you know like a critic vote like the rest of them. But... Um, yeah, it's still cool. Even then, though, I, even then, though, I think your point holds weight because when you think of I, like in my mind, Breath of the Wild Two seems to be more popular than a From Software title I or would a think. God of War sequel. Yeah, yeah, we would think. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so we ended up going three for five, not too shabby. We voted the same on all of them, so we ended up with the same score. So we tied there. Let's get into these game awards predictions that I had. Ten questions. I answered them first, then I asked you on the podcast live for your answers. We're gonna go through them. Speaking of Elden Ring. First question, will we see Elden Ring? If so, will it get a release window? I'm not being cute here. It being in the most anticipated doesn't count as seeing it. That's not how it's going to work. I voted yes, we would see it, and yes, we would get a release window. I was wrong. Dom voted no, we wouldn't see it. No, we wouldn't get a release window. You were right. One so point, Dom. Zero point. Whenever, whenever we do these questions and predictions, my philosophy and how I you know, answer them is if it's something I want and hope for, 
then I'm just going to assume it's not going to happen. <laughs> Obviously, yeah. Elden Ring is something I wanted to see, so I assumed it was not going to happen. Yeah, so that way you're only surprised and enlightened when it does happen. Mm-hmm. Yep. Low expectations, <laughs> high reward. Uh, next up, this one I had to adjust a little bit. So the original question was, uh, according to leaked screenshots, Kratos and Master Chief will be skins in Season 5 of Fortnite. What's most likely to be revealed? Obviously, like the day after we recorded and put up that podcast, Kratos was released. So I modified and took Kratos out of this entirely. So the options are Master Chief only, Master Chief and a Nintendo character, or Master Chief and another video game character. We tweaked it a little bit for you, just said a different character. So you said it'll be Master Chief and Wonder Woman. I said it would be just Master Chief. I got a full point because Master Chief was revealed because it was Kratos and Master Chief, but obviously Kratos was already revealed. You said Master Chief and Wonder Woman. I give you half a point because obviously Wonder Woman wasn't revealed. So we're sitting at one and a half points Dom, one point me. Next up, will Injustice 3 be teased? I said yes. You said yes. We both got that wrong. The second part of that question is meaningless because obviously we both got it wrong. So still 1.5 Dom, 1 point me. Next up, does a Muppet make a cameo? Same one or a new one? Muppet did make a cameo. It was a Swedish chef. I got the full point because I said yes, same one. You got half a point because you said yes and new. Unfortunately, Swedish Chef isn't new. Um, so half point there. So it's two to two. Tie ball game. Next up, does Tom Holland present the trailer for Uncharted? We both said yes. We were both wrong. He was there to uh, introduce uh, Nathan. Not Nathan. Why did I want to say Nathan Fillion? Um, help me out. Uh, Nathan Drake's voice actor. Uh, Nolan North. Nolan North. I don't want to say Nathan yeah. Fillion because of the damn Uncharted fan film on YouTube. Uh, we both said yes. He didn't. No points there. Still 2-2. Next up, Xbox Game Pass. What is it? I said Hades. You said Final Fantasy VII Remake. It was like, I think, Yakuza 3 through 6 and some other games. We both got that wrong. Still 2-2. Next-gen upgrade announcements. We both said no. We both got that correct. 3-3. To three. Next up, we said Mass Effect Trilogy trailer. Was that going to be shown? I said no. You said yes. We did get Mass Effect trailer, but it wasn't the trilogy. Mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. just the vague Mass Effect will continue. I'm up four to three. Next up, does Nintendo show up? If so, new or known? We both said yes. I said known. You said Breath of the Wild 2. I gave us half a point each because we both got Nintendo showing up correct. The problem I had with giving me a full point is because you can make an argument that Smash Brothers showing up is known, right? We know that game exists. But Sephiroth wasn't known, right? New character. So I'm going to say I didn't get that right. And you said Breath of the Wild 2. Obviously, I didn't show up. So we got half a point each. I'm at 4.5. You're at 3.5. Lastly, mic drop announcement. I said uh, Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice, or Senua's Saga, sorry, and the Initiatives game. You said Breath of the Wild 2. I got half a point because obviously I, Hellblade wasn't there. Breath of the Wild wasn't there. Final score, 5 to 3.5, me. Pretty close. Uh, I went 50%, which is pretty surprising, uh, and you went you know, 35%. So um, I think we did pretty good overall. I wanted to ask you before we close out the show with what we've been playing real quick. As someone who's a huge Zelda fan, are you kind of disappointed the Breath of the Wild sequel wasn't there? Because for most people, it was a lock. It's like, of course, we're going to see it in some capacity. 
and it didn't show up at all. You know, so. Yeah, I mean, I'm more like, because I now want that game to be a certain thing, and there's a good chance it's not going to be that thing, um, which is, you know, more the original style Zelda with more dungeons and a little bit more linear. So my hype on it is probably a little little bit less than a lot of people, actually. Um, but, you know, it, it was hopeful. It seemed like it could be a really cool big announcement for the Game Awards, but, you know, I'm, I'm all right. I'm not that let down. Yeah, I just I was pretty interesting not to see it there, and it was honestly it was odd for them to lead with Smash Bros, the reveal the character reveal. I'm like, okay, bold choice. Um, but now that I remember, I think Joker was real towards the beginning as well when he was revealed wow. from Persona. Hmm. So maybe that's just the way it is. And uh, yeah, I thought it was overall. I think it was great for the year we're in and the the things that Jeff had to deal with in order to get the show put together right. So in the circumstances of 2020, I think they pulled off a tremendous job. Now, outside of that, if you're comparing this to shows of the past, I think it was a little bit lackluster in comparison, but I can't hold it to that. Like, you know, it's we're in a weird year. Development's weird. Games are getting delayed. Stuff's happening. You know, the presentation wasn't perfect, but I think for what we were dealing with in 2020 from the game development side and from the production side, I think he did a fantastic job. Yeah, no, I agree. I think I think it was it was pretty good. It still has that. It, this isn't the same as watching an E three showcase, right? And I'm always yeah. reminded of that when I'm like, Ugh, more ads, you know, like so many ads that are like a part of the show, and like, I'm like Ugh. I don't know. It doesn't that kind of like like dampens my enjoyment of it quite a bit because you're the announcements are like you know woven in here and there. It's not an announcement show, right? But we've come to you know kind of make it and expect it to be somewhat of an announcement show at least you know a handful of big ones but um no it's still a good show it's cool to see um you know certain games get recognized on that kind of stage i've got you know it, it was pretty good yeah with the ads for me it's always like i wouldn't be getting this mass effect trailer if it wasn't for him signing a deal with uh verizon True. wireless right like it's just yeah. not it wouldn't happen or same thing necessary. with like youtube some of the creators i watch like I could definitely get an ad blocker and just not see the advertisements. But for me, I'm like, I'll deal with waiting five to 15 seconds to click skip ad because I know they get the AdSense on the back end. And, you know, it's not for every YouTube creator, but for a lot of them, the AdSense matters. So I'm like, yeah, I don't mind sitting through 15 seconds to help you pay what you got to pay. So that's why I say it. It is frustrating. Like no one wants to see ads, but at least it's gone away from the, the Gillette Schlick man standing like in the stands. You know what I mean? That infamous thing with kyle bossman and friend of the show logan moore um who's now writing at comicbook.com so shout out to logan um in terms of what we've been playing uh i haven't started cyberpunk yet obviously there's a lot of launch issues going on i'm still curious if the xbox is getting a day one patch because it's like it didn't but it seems like it's performing the best out of the console so maybe it didn't need i don't know it's a very weird place i'm just waiting to see what's going to happen there in terms of spider-man miles morales I am currently, I just passed the uh, st- uh, the set piece that takes place at the bridge, Dom. Uh, sorry, listeners, I'm being as vague as possible to avoid spoilers. But it's the one that was advertised, that big set piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, fi- I just finished that. So I don't know how far along in the game I am. Maybe like 40%, I'd assume. Um, I'm Yeah, maybe a little less. Maybe a third. I don't know. Yeah, I'm enjoying the game from a gameplay perspective. 
the narrative is a little contrived, like the twist that happens in that set piece of finding <laughs> out the thing. I'm like, okay, I saw this coming a mile away. Yeah. It's like, and okay, that's I'll what, see. that's what, when I first talked about when I was started playing this, that was the one, the first moment of like, Hmm, didn't see that coming. Like, yeah, exactly. It was a little yeah. bit too narrated. Uh, so, so far, obviously I don't have my full impressions yet. Like you said, I'm at, at best 40% through at worst, probably like a third of the way through. So still got a plenty of the game to go so far. I will say this game feels like a really solid expansion to the first game. So like a blood and wine for Witcher three, right? Something that could be argued as a standalone experience, really great in its own right. But at the end of the day is still uh, something that came as a part of another experience. And I'm not saying that like pejoratively, like I'm enjoying my, the game, but I am seeing the constraints of it being a smaller title. Um, in the best and worst ways. So I'm curious to see how I feel at the end of it, but enjoying the hell out of it, love the new powers. Uh, the combat is just so good. I like how they, it's a lot of what the original combat was in the in Marvel Spider-Man, but tweaked a little bit, kind of streamlined, and then Miles' new powers make it a completely different experience in, in yeah. his own right. So mm-hmm. really enjoying that. And I do love the app. Oh, you pull up the app and you can oh, go yeah. do missions and stuff. It's really cool, mm-hmm. really well integrated. Um, and yeah, I remember I asked that question of like, is Aaron Davis in the game? And you're like, yeah. It's like, <laughs> oh yeah, like he's literally in the first like hour and a half of the game. You meet it with your uncle, so pretty cool stuff. Enjoying that. Outside of that, I haven't played anything else new. The new Rocket League season started. I got real big into Rocket League again. The game is just so fun. Um, the thing I wanted to hear about though is last time we were on Dom. You were like, oh, yeah, I bought Hades. You know, it's up for all these awards. I'll probably get to it this weekend. So I want to hear what your opinions are on this uh, this roguelite that's sweeping the nation. It's it's super good. So I've never <laughs> played a game like this, um, a roguelite, right? Um, so I was kind of, like, hesitant. It was like five bucks off on the eShop or whatever. I was like, ah, I'll try it. Everyone's talking about it. And um, started playing it. And like, okay, I see this combat. It's, you know, it feels really good. It's interesting, like... You go through once you die. You're like, oh, okay, well, that's I see what I did wrong there. I'm gonna try it again. You get a few rewards. Like, all right, let me just go one more time. And then like, you get a little bit farther, and you get some cooler rewards. And like, oh, and then you unlock a new weapon. And you're like, ooh, ooh what? Well, I gotta go again, right? <laughs> and then <laughs> just you're more, just a more. Each each time you're having conversations with all the characters in kind of the main, uh, main world before you start each run, which is like Hades' house, right? So like, there's all these different characters in in the house and. Each run, um, they say different things to you, and this, there's like the story progresses. Um, basically, when you die, um, the world is aware that you died, and it's okay. still continuing. Like the universe is still continuing, even though you died, quote unquote, right? Um, so it's yeah, it's a roguelite, but it doesn't really feel like that. It feels like it's just a natural progression, especially how varied each run can be, because you have a lot of you. A lot of different weapons and then a lot of these different like boons that you can get that change the gameplay a lot and they combine with each other so like they can change your attacks add new you know um, enhancements and different things but then they in, the different boons you get interact differently so there's a lot of different combinations and there's just a lot of variation it's an incredibly deep game um i ended up playing it like the first time i turned it on i, I think it, it must have been like four hours straight i was just in it wow and then <laughs> Yeah, last weekend. And then the next day, the same shit. So I've played it for like four hours straight. I was like, this is this is just really good. It's really addictive. Um, and it also made me realize that um, 
roguelite like as a genre you know it has a certain perception and i think there um, are like varying degrees of it even more so than most people recognize right like um so there's the terms right where like like roguelike is just more of a straight up you die you start over not very little uh progress carries between runs right and then this game is like one and two for those who are curious there you go and so this game is more of a rogue light where like a lot of things um, that you gain through each run carries over and a lot of the story elements carry across too. And then it got me thinking though, because the way I'm playing this game is each run, I kind of have an objective of like, I want to get to at least this point to, to get this upgrade, to get this many of this material, right? And that's my only objective. And if I die after that, I'm like, whatever, I just like go back to the beginning and I level my stuff up or whatever it is, right? And it made me realize like th- that's Dark Souls, right? That's from software yep. games <laughs> where you're go- you're leaving each bonfire like usually with a specific objective. And that objective might just be like to explore an area, get a, get a feel for the layout, you know, and then come back with a little bit of knowledge of it. And if you died that way, when you die, it's like not upsetting as much and you're not like that kind of thing. Or you're just going to go and try to get one item or just beat one boss kind of a thing with each run and, or, you know, get enough souls to just level up one time or buy one item and then come back and, and, and then go for another run, right? It's basically that. Um, and so I think that's like the next degree of a rogue game. And I never really kind of made that connection of, of what that's like. Anyway, back to Hades though. <laughs> um, it's, it's phenomenal. So I haven't even beaten like the actual final boss yet, but um, I don't think it'd be too much longer um, before I you know, get to that point. Cause you can, I mean, obviously you can beat it all in your first run. If you were like incredibly good at it, I don't know who could do that, but I'm sure there's some people, some speed runners or types that can do it. Um, but yeah, you, and like, and then of course you also like just get better at the game as you progress too. as you, the more runs you do, you just, your own skills increasing. So yeah, it's super fun game. I've, I'm enjoying the heck out of it. People are not wrong when they praise it. So I was planning on getting this the moment it releases on Xbox, and I'm assuming you're doubling down on that sentiment too of like, yeah, Jared, buy the as soon as it's available on your preferred platform, get this ASAP and dive in. Yeah, I'd recommend it, especially like um having now having played it and like it's I don't know, the 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 progression is really good. That's like the best thing I can say about it. The gameplay is super tight and varied, but like the progression is um right up there. I had talked about this with uh, Ghost of Tsushima and Days Gone before, like the more you play the game, you're progressing and like the leveling at all, like incrementally makes you feel more powerful and like you're getting better at the game in a really satisfying way. And Hades is super good at that. Like that's probably the the biggest compliment I can give it among many. Awesome. I, I really, I was already excited to play it when it came to Xbox and now hearing your opinions of it, if somebody who's, you know, you're kind of shy to the genre in general and the fact that it brought you in and made you really enjoy it and have some revelations about, you know, some of your favorite games you've already loved is really cool. Um, I'll point out, too, actually, um, which is a little bit different. I, play, I had played Bastion, um, Supergiant's other game, and I didn't like that at all, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> coming into this, and it like it's a different setting, but the art style is similar, right? Where it's that kind of, I don't want to say simplistic, but, you know, similar... I don't know how, how they make the make these games, but it looks well, like they their, use similar tools. This is their fourth major game, right? Because, correct me if I'm wrong, it was Bastion, then Transistor, then Pyre, yeah. and then this. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Transistor was the one with the female antagonist with, like, the red hair, and then Pyre was, like, the basketball fantasy game thing mm-hmm. uh, is the best way to describe it. So, 
Um, really interesting stuff. Is there anything else you wanted to mention before we close out in terms of what you played? Um, oh, otherwise, just a lot of uh, Demon Souls. So I'm getting got a lot farther into that now, and it um, it's like this is by far the most next gen. I mean, I've only played like four games on PS5 now. But... <laughs> not a huge play and there's only like what six available that are like actually ps5 games anyway right yeah um that aren't back compatible or whatever but but this is it feels demon souls for sure feels like okay this is like a next gen game you know much more so than miles morales did um and astrobot had some cool things going on but like i don't know demon souls has just been really excellent um there's like some design things about the game that obviously haven't changed from the original that I prefer the way they were handled in Dark Souls um, and Sekiro and Bloodborne, right? So, like, not having a single interconnected open world, you know, Demon Souls is, like, you have a hub world, and then you go into the five branching worlds. And there's some interconnectivity in each of the five worlds, but overall, there's not much going on to connect things, which is, like, I don't prefer that so much, um, but it's what, it's you know, it's a game from, like, 2007 or whatever, right? So... It's made like a Crash Bandicoot game. That's so funny. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly like that. Actually, <laughs> um, the last thing I wanted to mention, now that you said that, Kate Bishop released for Marvel's Avengers this week. Oh yeah. Yeah. So obviously, I've talked about my love of this game, despite all of its many flaws. What I will say is, she feels incredible. Uh, you've heard me talk about this game, Dom. And the one thing I've always said is, they make the characters feel unique, right? And they they just feel fun to play. Game has bugs. Sometimes the areas don't load. Sometimes you're playing through the same area over and over again with slightly different variations on the design. All that stuff, obviously, valid criticism. But the characters themselves feel amazing. With her, her traversal is her teleporting. So she feels like Nightcrawler, the you know popular X-Men character. Um, her abilities allow her to create a decoy, right? So in battle, she can create a decoy of herself that enemies shoot at and kind of pull them away from you. She has three different arrows she can shoot. One that's called razor arrows, which are just like critical hit arrows. Second one is a multi-shot, so you can hit up to three people at once. They fire in front of her in three different directions. And the last one's a bomb arrow. Her alt uh, basically makes it so she can fire arrows quicker and uh, they do more damage. So, for instance, with her bomb arrow, when she's not in her ultimate form, you have to, like, hold the trigger so she pulls it back and then you can fire it because they're so powerful the weakness to them is that you can't fire them at a, a fast rate, right? But the moment you hit her ultimate, she could just fire those puppies off like they're nothing, right? Um, she's really fun to play. The story uh, with her is about two and a half hours, so it's not a whole lot of content, but it's still pretty cool. Uh, they bring in, obviously, the characters from the base campaign. Um, they have performances there. They tie her in. They answer the questions of, like, where was she during this five-year gap? Like, why are you guys barely talking to her now? You know what I mean? They answer those questions and make it make sense. Uh, they also set up the next DLC, which is going to be Clint Barton, which is the Hawkeye most people are familiar with from the films. They did a really good job with it. It gets me excited for... This is like an appetizer, and we've talked about I think their big next resurgence is going to be their quote-unquote second launch, where they have this big bundle of content, which I think is going to be packaged with Wakanda and Black Panther. And... I'm excited to see what that is because this did a lot for people who are already invested in the game. And I know even as great as Kate Bishop is, it's going to be hard for those people who have already fallen off to come back. I totally get that. So it's just the hardcore people that are diving in now. But if you're adding these characters slowly over time and then you bring in this big new relaunch, people are going to have so much content there to play with. And the, instead of the campaign being like 
about seven hours focusing on Kamala Khan, you're going to get that campaign and then all these other ones after it. And the way they pitched it is it's going to be like three DLC story arcs. So for this one, it's Kate Bishop, it's Clint Barton, and we don't know what the third one is, but they all run into each other. So it's going to be like a second campaign when they're all said and done, and they're going to have another one, and they all kind of feed and integrate into one another. It's really cool. I'm really enjoying it. Free update too entirely. And because I played the base game enough, her battle pass was free for me. I have like 2,500 credits right from playing with Hulk and Captain America and all these characters. So when she came in, I needed 1,000 credits to do her battle pass. I already had it. And then if I enjoy her, by the time I'm done, she gives me that 1,000 credits back. But to say I don't like her, right? I still have 1,500 left plus whatever I earn with her in the meantime. So when the next character comes out, I have it. You know what I mean? So okay. I think it's really cool. It allows you to... it. It The people who are invested in it get to get that on the back end. And it's not that you have to be wholly invested where, Dom, they're asking you, like, okay, you need to play 50 hours with all six original Avengers. If you fall in love with one character or you like a lot of the, all of them a little bit, you can get a thousand credits from all of them combined or just one character, and then that just feeds for the next character. You know what I mean? It all feeds into one another, and I don't think the levels are that demanding because, like we talked about before, every week you have four challenges you can do, two weekly and then the daily ones that rotate. For each weekly one, you get 11 points each, so that's 22 points you can get from those alone each week, right? And then with the daily ones, it's three and three, so that's six. Six times seven for each day of the week is 36, right? Is that right, Matt? 42, 42. So yeah, if you add that together, it's 66 points that you can get every week, okay? And that's saying you do everything. The total for the battle pass is 200 points. So if you're committed for like two and a half weeks to a single character, you'll get it. But that's like being fully committed, right? And that's wanting to get everything in that battle pass. Um, and I've gotten a lot of the battle passes done just hopping in for like an hour or two a day at most. So I think it's very generous of that stuff. Um, and they've rewarded people who are continuing to play it with additional resources and stuff. They're like, hey, keep playing card game. Here's a bunch of rewards to keep playing. So enjoying that. I'm glad they nailed their first DLC launch. Obviously content light, but they nailed the character, which I was not surprised by because that's the best part of what they do with those games. That's good to hear. I think. I mean, again, I, we've talked about it before, but I feel like this game should come back big. And it uh, seems like maybe small, but still a good you know, first step um towards that sounds like yeah and uh, imagine a year from now dom when like the roster is like 13 avengers on top of whatever they launch with for the big relaunch of like what if it's not just black panther right like what if they give black panther and maybe another character like uh dr strange or something maybe it's like a package of characters right and uh, wild enough what if it's like another set of characters like six right because the game launched with six what if they intersperse these guys and we have like nine by the time that DLC drops and there's another batch. So when people are coming in, it's not content. Like you have all of this backwards content of all of this stuff you can do. Um, I do think it's poised for that. It seems like they're taking their time and they want to have a second resurgence. And it is one of those things too, that we're seeing with cyberpunk of this game just released way before it should have. And I don't think it's as much a scope issue as the cyberpunk thing is that we talked about. I think this one is pretty much like, no, there's a deadline in our partnership. You have to hit that deadline. Uh, so I think that's what happened there. Anyways, having a blast with that. Thank you guys for listening this week. Game Awards are behind us. 
This is our last live show for the rest of the year. We'll be back at the new year. We're going to be talking about our predictions for the coming year. We'll eventually get to our Game Awards podcast, and we're going to be talking about our favorite games of 2020. Can't wait to tune in. We have a couple of episodes for the holiday break. Tune in then. And uh, yeah, if you can, please go to YouTube, search Controlled Intro, so will pop right up. Like the video, subscribe if you enjoy our podcast. Uh, leave a comment. I read the comments. I'll reply to you there. On Twitter, you can find me at, uh, I think I changed my Twitter handle. Yeah, at Jared White, which is my full name. That's J-E-R-R-A-D-W-Y-C-H-E. I got rid of the underscore. Couldn't deal with it anymore. Uh, you can find Dom at Dom's Oreos. Uh, and collectively, you can find us at C-T-R-L-I-N-T. That's Controlled Interest Abbreviated. In terms of the podcast, we're on iTunes, we're on Spotify, Google Play, I think, went to the wayside, but you can find us anywhere. Go to our website itself, and you can listen to the audio there, standalone, at controlledinterest.com. They're all available on the homepage. You can click there and check them out. Other than that, we'll catch you guys uh, next week with a pre-recorded show. See you guys then. Bye.